ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. They're about to watch Martin Boyle's corner, which goes towards the back post and it's knotted in. And Jackson Irvine has perhaps made the soccer ashes safe for the Socceroos as he gives Australia a two-goal cushion. Australia have won the Ashes. I know what you're thinking. Poppy, that was ages ago, and actually they only retained the Ashes. Well, this morning, Australia won the Soccer Ashes 2-0 against New Zealand. And from what we can see so far, the Kiwis aren't claiming a moral victory either. It's been almost 70 years since this Ashes trophy was last sighted, but in April this year, they were found. So where was the trophy all this time? And what does this win mean for the Socceroos as they approach a huge couple of months? I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily. Joey Lynch is a football writer for ESPN and The Guardian, among others. And Joey, the Ashes is pretty entrenched in cricketing folklore between England and Australia. But today we are talking about the soccer Ashes, which Australia won this morning against New Zealand. So what is the story behind the soccer Ashes? Well, the soccer Ashes, they've got a hundred year history, um, really. This isn't some new marketing invention concocted by New Zealand football and football Australia to try to drum up interest. It actually, well, it dates back to 1923. Technically, it was played for a year earlier, 1922, the first meetings between Australia and New Zealand, the first ever internationals the two nations played. 17th of June in 1922 is the beginning of our story. The match was played at Carisbrook in Dunedin. 14,000 people there. But it was constructed after a return tour of Australia by the Kiwis in 1923 uh, they played a series of games and well to celebrate the occasion the the team's two captains came together and celebrated with some cigars as it were modern sports science having evolved a lot in the century since i doubt we'll be seeing the modern skippers um blowing into some cigars <laughs> after this series especially given they've got games on the weekend they suggested that the ashes of two cigars smoked by the two captains of the teams uh, Alec Gibb and George Campbell be in this razor case. And then they encased it in woods from both Australia and New Zealand. So it was played for several times and the last time was in 1954. So it's been found in astonishingly good condition. Where was it for almost 70 years? Uh, it was in a garage. <laughs> um, it was found in the uh, garage of a Football Australia Hall of Famer, Sydney Story, former executive here in Australian football as well. You found it? No, you're, you're taking the piss. Wow. We've got it? This is it. Oh, man. What a treasure. Am I allowed to cry on camera? And the two teams playing for it, well, this morning, in the wee hours of this morning on Wednesday, they couldn't actually lift the trophy itself. It is a bit fragile. It couldn't make the trip. Um, all the way to London, to the Brentford Community Stadium, but the ga- where the game was played. But yeah, it's been rediscovered and a- an important part of Australian history and New Zealand's footballing history, back discovered and back to be celebrated. This trophy is symbolic of something really important and its discovery is also really important as well. Um, it's The trophy and its absence, its missingness, was a symptom of Australian soccer's tendency to forget itself. And it's also particularly poignant because they symbolise 
the game's participation in World War One. Like there's something like maybe 4,000 soccer players go to World War One, something like 500 of them get killed. Do we hope to have more soccer ashes clashes now that it's been discovered? I, indeed, I think that is the plan. Australia and New Zealand, of course, they met uh, last year as well before um, the World Cup. In fact, that was the Socceroos' final games before they went to Qatar to play in the World Cup. And indeed, those senior games certainly will now uh, mark this important discovery, this important trophy and celebrate uh, the long history of the game here in both Australia and New Zealand. So I want to get a little bit more current. Australia won the Soccer Ashes this morning. Coach Graham Arnold made five changes for this match, including bringing in Socceroos debutant Alessandro Ciccardi. How comfortable did he look at the international level? Uh, he looks um, exceedingly comfortable at the international level. Of course, it does come with the disclaimer that of all the opponents Australia has faced uh, this year, the likes of Ecuador, England, Argentina, Mexico, New Zealand, are the least credentialed of those sides. So it wasn't quite a baptism of fire, but <laughs> starting next to Harry Sutar, he did look very comfortable indeed. He helped set up uh, Australia's opening goal of the game. Time for the cross, and back post was Chikati, and there is the opening goal. Mitch Duke with the finish, although Harry Sutar is claiming it too. Uh, a bit of confusion about whether or not Duke actually gets the goal <laughs> or if it deflected off Harry Sutar and he claims it, but Chikati was integral in setting up whoever ends up being awarded the goal. And it, it was really great to see him finally get his debut, given that he has been in a number of camps since uh, choosing to represent his native Australia over Italy, who he also had eligibility for, and it was Great to see and, well, adds further headaches for Graham Arnold, given that centre-back is rapidly becoming one of the positions where he has the most depth of both tried and true and tested talent, such as uh, Sutar and Milos Degenek and Kai Rolls, but also emerging talent, such as Cameron Burgess and now Chikanti. Sutar was very quick to claim that goal, I think. <laughs> but the other feel-good story this tour is seeing Massimo Luongo back in the green and gold for the first time since 2019. And you just couldn't wipe the smile off his face after this match. How much does this team mean to him and vice versa? Oh, you could just tell how much it meant to him. It was fantastic to see him uh, getting out there again. His first time representing the Socceroos in four years since 2019. And... Well, he really demonstrated just uh, why so many Socceroos fans have wanted him to return for so long and have really pined for the potential that he flashed at the 2015 Asian Cup where he was named player of the tournament uh, as Australia lifted that continental crown and was indeed nominated for the Ballon d'Or because of those efforts. Luongo, lovely football. Beautiful touch. You could see just today his comfort levels on the ball, the way that, you know, he wasn't just immediately trying to uh, escape and play a quick uh, pass under pressure. He was willing to create something for it. And indeed, that played a significant role in the first goal. He combined with Conor Metcalf on a back heel. And it was great to see him uh, back in there giving Graham Arnold more headaches in the midfield, in that uh, attacking midfield uh, position. 
So this win comes less than a week after the 1-0 loss to England. What was different in this match, aside from, as you mentioned, that New Zealand are probably not the same opponent that England are? So what did we see in this match, you know, aside from those couple of great inclusions that can give Socceroos a bit of excitement going into the next couple of months? This game really marked, you wouldn't call it a turning point, but maybe a demarcation point between the games the Socceroos have played thus far this year and the games that they have on the radar in the coming months in that all the games they've previously played, be them against Mexico, Argentina, England, maybe not against Ecuador, but certainly those most recent ones, Australia had comfortably settled into the underdog role in those games. Against England, um, they weren't expected to win. England, despite the fact that they rotated the squad, it was still um, an 11 that was probably worth around half a billion dollars um, on the pitch. And Australia was sitting back in that contest. They were trying to play on the counter-attack. They were getting physical. They were playing in a manner that we've come to expect from Graham Arnold's signs ever really since the World Cup. This backs against the wall, um, do or die attitude of counter-attacking football. Against New Zealand, they weren't the underdogs. Uh, they had more of the ball. The impetus was on them to not just sit back and play on the counter, but to actually create opportunities and um, come forward. And we saw flashes there of what they would be trying to do on that front. A few of those combinations with Luongo and Metcalf. And they're in here. Connor Metcalf, fine save by Wilde. And it'll be a corner for the Australians. It might have been more, but that was a move that was very, very easy on the eye. We saw Jackson Irvine come off the bench and score a goal from a set piece, which have been a consistent weapon for the Socceroos, regardless of how they're playing in open play um, in Graham Arnold's tenure. And then, well, it probably should have been 3-0 at the very end, only for Brandon Borello to shoot wide. It's an infield, Irvine, they're queuing up here, across the face, oh, surely no. Brandon Borello, it seemed more difficult to miss. An open goal. Heading into the coming months now, we've got uh, World Cup qualifiers against Bangladesh, and Palestine coming up in November and then the group stages of the Asian Cup against Syria, India and Uzbekistan and in all of those games the Socceroos are going to be favoured to win especially given their play over the last 12 months and the impetus is going to be on them to have the ball and create things so really this I guess this New Zealand game uh, where those things started to come to the fore and in uh, the start of a new era, I guess you could call it, a new chapter um, in the Socceroos heading into the coming months. So as you touch on, it is going to be a big sort of time for the Socceroos. And you've also mentioned Graham Arnold is going to have some selection headaches, but in a really good way. How excited should Socceroos fans be getting? I mean, they absolutely should be excited about the talent um, coming through. This is going to be uh, a big test for Graham Arnold in the coming months, given that there will be that transition into game style. And it was um, when Australia uh, was expected to win and create things in possession where they did struggle uh, throughout World Cup qualifying. It seems to rem remarkable to think about now, but um, there was a point where Graham Arnold came very close to getting sacked um, before the World Cup and the Federation itself was leaking against him. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he adjusts. But I think one of the things that he's unquestionably uh, succeeded in doing during his time with the Socceroos is 
bringing through young talent and fostering particularly the pipeline between Australia's under-23 side, uh, the Oli Roos and the senior team. And now you can just see the fruits of that. One of the catch cries of the last World Cup cycle was that Graham Arnold didn't have the cattle to succeed. And that was a point of debate, but you'd, uh, you'd struggle to find anyone these days that would say Australia doesn't have the cattle, doesn't have the playing talent to produce some really nice football. So good reason, I think, for Socceroos fans in the future to, one would say, get excited because the talent is certainly there to do some nice things. Well, Joey Lynch, Australians love winning the Ashes no matter who their opponent. Thanks so much for your time today. No, thank you very much for having me. Headlines. Staying with soccer for a moment and the Australian Professional Leagues have reversed their decision to host the A-League's Grand Finals in Sydney and instead Sydney will host their own version of Magic slash Gather Round. The soccer version will be called Unite Round and takes place in January for both men's and women's comps. As for the Grand Finals, that will return to the traditional format of the highest placed qualifier hosts the fixture. It seems the APL have, checks notes, listened to the fans here. In cricket, and there are three things in life we can be sure of, death, taxes and the Netherlands beating South Africa in a World Cup match. You can hear the noise in Dharamshala, what a, an occasion we've got at the foothills of the Himalayan mountains, Everest not far away, while the Dutch are trying to scale cricket in Everest. They shocked them in the T20 World Cup and they've done it again, the Dutch getting their first win of the ODI tournament by 38 runs over the Proteas. Van der Dusen on four, looking to reverse this, and he's gone! He's been caught behind square, Van der Dusen is the latest to go! Another one for Van der Merwe, what are we witnessing here? This could be one of the greatest days and they've had a few already of Netherlands cricket. But wow, 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 four wickets down. This is good news for Australia, who are now equal on points with the Netherlands and Afghanistan, which I think tells you everything you need to know about how the Aussies tournament is going. And speaking of cricketers, the Australian Cricketers Association has announced they are setting up what they're calling a fighting fund to support the country's netballers, many of whom have been without pay since September 30. The ACA expect around $200,000 to go into the account and that money will come straight from the cricketers' pockets. Athletes supporting athletes, we love to see it. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Declan Byrne. Thanks to Channel 10 and Football Australia for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.